So good to see so many people here for the 2.30 service. We're speaking on the balancing uh, wisdom and romance this afternoon. And um, an area I've, I've really had to work hard on in my own life. And, and regardless of where you are on your personal journey um, with the Lord and in your relationships, I hope you'll all get something from this afternoon because my message is really going to be specifically directed towards those just entering into a relationship and within probably the first six months because I think they're probably some of the most vulnerable areas where we really have to apply wisdom in our relationships. But for all those who are here, maybe you have grandchildren, uh, maybe you have nieces or, or, or nephews or your sons or your daughters. Hopefully you'll be able to take something away from this afternoon that you'll be able to impart to them as well. Because ultimately we all want to have good, healthy, God-filled relationships, don't we? We're created for relationship. One of the greatest pictures we see in the Bible is between Jesus and his church, the relationship that is there, and it's all a part of our heart. We're, we're, we're built for relationship. But in the midst of that, from going from the point of relationship to, to actually a healthy marriage and moving on with family, there's certain processes that God takes us through. And we've got to navigate those with wisdom. We've got to navigate those with wisdom. We've got to, we've got to play within the rules of of God's rules when it comes to romance. It's a God-given gift, but we have to play the rules in line with him, and his rules are wisdom. Romance is an incredible gift. It's a gift of God, but we've got to have wisdom to navigate and play by the rules. Amen? Well, sometimes people feel as if wisdom in in a romance situation, in relationships, is actually a hindrance to them. They feel like, God is trying to spoil all our joy and all our fun. After all, God created it all. But it's like outside we have have traffic lights and we have policemen warning us of of things and we have signs for hazards and signs for obstacles. Wisdom in our relationships and the word of God are very much just that. They are signposts for us to warn us of, of danger. So we want to look at balancing wisdom and romance this afternoon. And the main key areas I want to focus on really is getting our foundations right. First of all, we must always build upon the solid foundations. But not just the godly foundations and the word of God foundations, but importantly, our own foundations. Getting ourselves right even before we do enter into a relationship. And then as we begin to navigate the early stages of a relationship to make sure we have appropriate boundaries, to make sure we have some understanding and wisdom and insight of process. God is a God of process. God is a God of order. He's not a God of disorder. And there is a process, generally, what God takes us through and that we can glean from people that have gone before us in relationships that we can learn from as well. Do you know they say a wise man learns from his, uh, sorry, a clever man learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from others. 
And in preparing this message, I went into uh, and studied a lot of case studies of, of, of times where things went well, when times didn't go well. I've tried to glean a little bit of experience from myself. I'm not married myself, but I have been courting for over two years now, and I've learned some incredible amount uh, during that time. And if I'm perfectly honest with you, it's probably been one of my greatest areas of growth. As you've come close to somebody in the appropriate boundaries at the appropriate season of your life, you always have somebody there to shine a mirror up to you. And it's very easy to be on your own when you're single, and you very much have to focus on predominantly your vertical relationship with God. And God is loving, God is kind. Yes, he chastens the ones he loves, but sometimes the horizontal relationships are our friends, are our families, and the people closest to us who shine a mirror up in our face and say, hey, this is how you're really coming across. Do you know, I was training once for, 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 for an event, for, for a, a long-distance um, run, and I was out training for myself all the time, every day. I reckon for about a year I trained, on my own, out over the hills, running, training. I looked at myself, I had my training program. I did it all properly, checking my heart rate zones, making sure I had appropriate sleep, checking my pulse rates, keeping a, a manual of my diet and everything. So I really had to be top shape for this. And when it came to the day of the event, I thought, yes, I am fit. I am strong. I've got a chance of winning this. We started off on the start line, and people overtook me and left me for dead. I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. I barely got myself around the course. And a penny dropped to me. Do not become wise in your own eyes. Amen. We have got to have some self-insight. We've got to allow people to speak into our lives. And I'm going to speak a little bit about accountability as well. Because in the counsel of many, there is wisdom, isn't there? And we need people to shine the mirror back in our face sometimes. We've got the word of God that's a mirror to us, that, that, that discerns the innermost parts, but we need other people as well to point some things out into us in our own lives. And if we're, if, if we're full of pride, God resists the proud, but he gives a grace to the humble. If we're humble, if we make ourselves accountable to people, then they can speak some home truths into our lives. And that's going to be paramount for a good and strong, successful relationship. Amen. So I hope you always get something from this afternoon. And let's just, before I start, let's just hand this service over to the Lord and let's just, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gift of relationship. Father, I thank you, you're the model of that for us in our lives with your church, the bride and the bridegroom. Lord, and I just lift up every single person here this afternoon and we hand this service over to you. Father, I, I pray that you'll, you'll touch my tongue, Father. I'll speak only what you desire me to speak. I pray people's hearts will be open and receptive to what you desire to share this afternoon. Maybe we be more equipped and maybe be more empowered from this afternoon, Father, that we may have whole and healthy and strong relationships that bring glory to your name. Father, we thank you for your wisdom, the great pearl of what it is, and may we receive that into our hearts this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, 
The first thing I really want to focus on is the foundations. Getting the foundations right and primarily with God. We know in Matthew 7, 24, it states that anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds his house on solid rock. And in Romans 12, 1 to 2, it reads that, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we see here we must build our lives and our relationships upon the solid rock of Christ Jesus. But here it's saying that you may do the perfect and acceptable will of God. And we must have the will of God for our lives, the perfect will of God. When we're in tune with God, with his word, when we're building on the solid foundations of him, and we're walking in his ways with wisdom, then we will fulfill his will for our lives. And that's what we desire, because he's the God, he knows the beginning from the end, and we want that end result to be his perfect will for each and every one of our lives, and particularly here when it comes to romance. You know, falling in love is a God idea. It's, it's, it's romance, it's, it's, it's feeling, it's, it's emotion. They're, they're all God-given gifts. But as I said before, we must make sure that we apply his rules to that. You see, the issue arises when people take a good thing, that's a gift, and they take it outside of the purpose it's designed for and enjoy it wherever and whenever we like and desire God, creation, it's God's rules. God created it, we live by his rules. You see, even the Song of Solomon, what a great uh, a, a book that is in the word of God that is really the epitome of passion, the epitome of romance, the epitome of love. But even in the midst of that in Solomon 8.4, he warns and he says, do not awaken love until the right time. See, the wisdom of Solomon the greatest man of wisdom knew that we had to abide by his rules and do things in the appropriate time. And in this instance, it was do not waken love before it's time. See, wherever we are with our journey of romance, there are some fundamental guidelines that we must follow, that we keep in line with him and live a righteous life. You see, a romance, if I share a picture, is like a kite. A kite is our relationships, and they are our emotions. But the string is the wisdom. And when we get into a relationship, the, the emotions begin to spark, the romance begins to spark, the feelings are electrified. And if we haven't got the string of wisdom to rein in and hold down those emotions and feelings, it will spiral out of control and spiral off course. So our feelings and our relationships are like the kite and our wisdom is like the cord that holds on to those feelings and those emotions. You know, I loved, um, I was uh, with my dad and I needed to get a new car just to paint a, more of a clear picture of sometimes of our, our emotions. And I said, Dad, I desperately need to get a new car. Uh, I need one with a big boot with lots of space to fill lots of things in. 
And my dad was very excited because he knew this meant a moment for him and his son to go to the auctions. We used to love going to the auctions to get the car. It's a bit of a gamble because you never quite know what you're coming back with. But if you get it right, you can get a good car for a very good value. If you get it wrong, it's a bit of a disaster. And I think it was a great opportunity. He thought, great, I had a chance to go up to the auctions with my son. He used to get all the research out and the books out, and we used to go for a cooked breakfast beforehand. And then we used to go through the aisles, looking at a car that was appropriate price, getting the research out, the manual out, looking for the correct price and all the rest of it. And I couldn't find the car that I wanted. I knew what I was looking for, and I couldn't find the right car. And then, just as I looked down, I saw the vehicle that I was looking for just about to drive into the auction bay to start the bidding. And I said, Dad, look, there's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I need. He said, oh, come on, son, let's quickly get down there. He quickly jumped in. The auctioneer was just about to drive it in. My dad said, excuse me, can I just jump in? He jumped in, pretended to know what he was doing, started to give it a rev, started to check the gears, and, 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 and there was lights all over the dashboard, but we kind of like forgot about that because ultimately this is the car that we wanted. It drove into the auction bay. We had a bit, of a, bit, a bit of a haggle with the other competitors trying to go for it. But me and my dad, we won. We got through and we got the car. I thought, great. And then my heart sank. I said, Dad, do you think the car's all right? He went, well, I hope so, son. I, said, I saw a few of those lights flashing on the dashboard there. He went, yeah. well, let's, let's, let's go have a look at that, shall we? Went around the back, went to the back of, <laughs> went to the front to pick up the vehicle, well done, guys, you've just bought the car. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Walked off, people giving us a bit of a look, thinking, this crazy guys. Got into the vehicle, lights all over the dashboard. Got it to the garage. I think within three months, it cost me twice the amount that I actually paid for the vehicle. It was the biggest disaster I'd ever had. But I thought of my time, isn't that quite similar to relationships that we've got to be careful with? All the alarm bells are flashing. All the lights on the dashboard. There's something not quite right here. But I've got it in my head that I want to be with this person. Oh, I've seen it in my head. I've seen the wedding day. I've seen my dress. The guy thinks, yes, I've got my bride. The lights are flashing. But forget that. I want what I've seen in my eyes. So we've got to make sure that we balance a little bit of common sense, wisdom, and romance. Our emotions are fickle. Our emotions will spark. Our emotions will deceive us. The heart is deceitful above all things. So a little bit of wisdom and understanding will help us in situations, and I wish I had more wisdom when it came to buying a car. You see, strong foundations in God. We know that. We're not here really to... It's all on God, but really... The biggest thing that I gleaned when I, when I really started to think about this message was ourselves, making we, sure we ourselves are established, the best we can be. We all know we're not perfect. We all have knocks. We all have bruises. We all have wounds. But we want to take the time to really make sure that we ourselves are prepared the very best we can. You know, it says the key to all interpersonal relationships is the quality of your intrapersonal relationships. The key to all interpersonal relationships is the quality of your intrapersonal relationships. They said that self-insight is the epitome of wisdom. 
And getting along with yourself is more important than getting along with somebody else. Because if you can't get along with yourself, how do you expect to get along with somebody else? Wisdom would say, get yourself into a stable position to build from and to know that that self-insight is the epitome of wisdom. Do you know Calvin, the great reformist Calvin, states that nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves. I, when I came to the Lord, I'd been through a bit of a journey myself, not always walking with the Lord, and I'd picked up some good old knocks on my journey. I'd picked up some wounds, as we all do when we don't follow the Lord. I didn't know the Lord. Thank God that he made himself real to me, and from that moment I turned my life around, and he's taken me from strength to strength. But he has to first work something inside you. He gets you down onto the surgical table, and he gets his righteous right hand, he gets the scalpel of the word of God, and he starts to cut and remove all the bad things in our lives. And he begins to mold it, begins to mold the clay, and he begins to reshape us to how he originally was created to be. And there was things in my life that I could never quite get victory over. And it really, really hurt me and got me down to the stage where I'd lay flat on my knees, on my face, in tears, crying out to God, saying, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? Lord, I love you with all my heart, but I'm just not getting victory in some, some areas in my life. Have we all been there? And I had a dream that night. I've shared this before for, for those who are new. I hope you'll get something from this. But a pivotal moment in my life, and God showed something. God speaks to me a lot via dreams. I'm a very visual person, and our Father knows how we learn. And, and God teaches me a lot by visions and by dreams. And I had a dream one evening that I was in a petrol station and I had my car, a new car this time, not the broken one. And I ran over to my car and I was filling up with petrol. As I was filling up with petrol, just going along my merry way, somebody ran across the forecourt in my dream and grabbed me and they said, Mr. Mr., there is petrol running all over the forecourt. And I thought, What? I made sure the nozzle was in the tank and I looked back and there was petrol pouring out all from with the fuel tank of my car. I said, what on earth is this? I took a look to the round to the side of my car to see where all this petrol was coming out from and there was a hole in the side of the vehicle and all the metal was, was all broken back and as I looked in closer, as I zoomed in my dream to, to actually into the hole of the tank, I saw a robin, and the robin was sat on a perch. And as I looked closer into the robin, the robin was hollow, completely hollow and lifeless. And in my dream, I said to myself, how has this robin caused so much damage in my engine? And I woke up. I went away and spoke to my pastor straight away because that dream was really engrafted on my heart. And I went away and I said, Pastor, do you mind if I speak to you? A very good friend of mine and a great mentor to me. Sat down and I shared in this dream. And he said, Chris, that is probably one of the most powerful things that you've ever shared to me. Let me tell you what this dream represents. He said, that, oil, that tank 
is your heart. And he said, the fuel is the Holy Spirit. And he said, your tank is getting filled up, but there's a hole in your heart. And you're trying to fill a heart which is broken. But you need to repair that heart for you to be able to withhold all the fuel that's being poured into your hearts. And the robin, I knew what that represented in my life at that time. And he said, you go away right now. You pray. And you visualize yourself reaching into your heart. Grab that robin and you rip it out and you throw it aside. And you pray for God to heal that heart. Do you see that robin didn't cause all that damage? And he specifically asked me about the nature of the damage to the engine that I saw in my dream. And I said, well, it was all bent back. And he said, Chris, that robin didn't cause all that damage in your dream. And that's why you asked that question. Series of events throughout your life has caused you to have that hurt in your heart. It's a multiple things through your life. And the hole has got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now anything in your life can just come in and out, in and out of your heart. Because, you've, because your heart is not whole. And so the robin didn't cause the damage, but it just had free access to come in and out. It's like the scripture that says it's like a city with broken down walls. I went away, I prayed, I reached into my heart, I pulled that robin out, and I cried my eyes out to the Lord. I said, Lord, repair my heart. Heal my heart, I pray. It's incredible because then I felt like a warmth come across me. And it was literally as if I felt the heart being blocked up and sealed. I felt it in my spirit. I felt the work of God in my heart being done. And I said to myself, now anything and everything that comes into my life will come through the correct vessel, will come through the correct means, will come through the correct nozzle and through the correct area of the vehicle of my life and not through any brokenness and hurt. And I think that a lot of us through life carry wounds and we carry hurts. And a big thing that we have to manage or look after before we engage in a relationship is to really get some self-insight and look into ourselves. Get an accountability partner. Seek someone to speak to. If you're feeling there's areas of your life where you're not getting victory. Because a lot of the things that we can't get victory from or a lot of things that are hurting us, we're reaching to external means to try and fill a hole in our lives to try and pat it out, but we're drinking and we're drinking and we're drinking and drinking, but it's never quenching. It's like drinking from the sewer waters of life and not from the fresh living waters that quench the eternal thirst. You see the ways of the world, and maybe some of you in the ways of the world, I know myself I was before I came to the Lord. Aren't we always drinking and drinking and drinking to try and fill something that only God in our lives can fill? But we're filling ourselves with poison. And we're filling ourselves with damage. So I reiterate, the first thing is to really get self-insight into our lives. We need to get healing. We need to get wholeness. Because we can't afford to bring that into a relationship. Now I'm not saying we have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect. In fact, in a relationship, it sparked up so many more issues in my life that I didn't realize that were there. And I'm grateful for that. But I made sure I had an accountability team. I made sure when issues in my life did service that I did have people there to talk it through. Your cell leaders, 
your, your friends, your mentors. That's the great thing about cell. You've got your accountability. You've got people to speak your life through. And it's a, it's a safe environment for things to occur. You know, we all carry landmines in our lives and issues. But when the explosion takes place, at least we're in a, a place where we can manage that explosion so it does little damage to ourselves and to the person that we're in a relationship with. So I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but the more whole one is and the more whole your partner is, some people think, well, he's got 50%, she's got 50%. Great, we make 100%. But why not do we strive more and more and push more and more to be 100%, to be 100% and make complete wholeness, do you know? So really it's a time of self-inflight, for self-reflection. You see, because the major issue with this, if we have wounds or issues that we've not dealt with before we enter into a relationship, these are just some of the possibilities that I've observed in my life and as I've moved on to be a minister that I've counseled with people. This is what I've seen. It breeds codependency. You are trying to grab something from your partner you're entered into a relationship with to fill a hole in your life, that hole in your tank that only God can fill. And you end up being codependent on them. You end up going inward looking to each other and you end up smothering and suffocating the relationship because you're drawing from them a deposit that is not theirs to deposit. And you've got to be careful there with emotional manipulation then because ladies... Not saying everybody, but you could say, well, you're meant to, you're meant to for, do this for me as the man. You're meant to provide this for me. You're meant to, well, no, I'm not. Because you're wanting off me something that you first should be getting from God. Your foundations are incorrect and they're out of sync. And that's hard to say sometimes, especially when you like somebody because you want to be with them. And you're confused. Because then the danger is you've gone so far on down the relationship, which I'll go back to shortly because we haven't managed boundaries, we haven't managed stages of relationship, and you've gone too far down the line. And it's hard for you to pull away at that point. And if you do pull away, you've become so enmeshed that there's a ripping and a tearing of your soul and it leaves a scar. And we want to minimize that because you want to present yourself to your future husband or present yourself to your future wife as whole and without blemished as you can possibly be. So we take minimal baggage into that relationship to give it every best opportunity. But just remember, whatever baggage we do have, whatever wounds we do have, the blood of Jesus is far able to cover all that. And with some good counseling, with some good wisdom and insight, God will renew you. So don't be disheartened. We're all broken in some aspects and in some ways. Amen? It can build frustration and wrong demands on your future partner. It builds frustration because they're not getting, because they're thirsty, what they think that you should be providing in a relationship. People think that once I get married, once I find the man of my dreams, once I found the lady of my dreams, I will all be all right. They're always thinking it's something else that's the issue because they're not looking inwards and thinking, hold on a sec, Potentially, there's a common denominator here where things aren't going right in my life, where I'm not just having relationships are failing. People are not being drawn to me, and even in friendship circles, because there's something wrong with me, because it's the hardest thing in the world to look inwards, isn't it? It's tough when we look inwards. It takes humility to look inwards and go, ah, that's not very pleasant what I see, and it takes character 
I take my hat off to the people that come forward for prayer during the services in front of all people. That shows courage, it shows character, it shows humility. And God rewards that, and God blesses that in our lives. So it builds frustration, and eventually the relationship will implode. The danger is then they become your God, and they become an idol. You see, then they become an idol to you, because they think they're getting everything they want from you, so they focus towards you, and, you, and they become an idol. Guess what God's going to do to that idol in due season? He's going to smash it and he's going to rip it away from you. And that's going to hurt. And then you're going to blame it on God. And say, Lord, well, you've gone and, you've, why have you gone and caught me all this, caused me all this hurt? I wanted to be with this person. It's your will that I find a nice partner, a nice romance. And you end up getting angry with God then. But God is loving you and caring for you and saying, no, I'm moving this out of your life because it's hurting you. And I need you to focus on me because I'm the source of your provision. I'm the person with the agape love that I can pour that into your lives and into your spirits. Nobody else can do that for you, and I need to do that for you, he says. See, you put a responsibility in them, a responsibility in them which is not theirs to take, and that's not fair. You might find some strong men who will be able to carry that for a season who may be able to carry you for a while because they're strong in the word, they're strong in their strength, but they're hanging you're hanging off them, and you become a parasite to them. Or the lady, some ladies, incredible women of God, sometimes are carrying the man. You're the strength in the home. You're the strength of the relationship. And it's not your right, it's not your place to carry that man. So we've got to get things right. But that comes from self-insight. You know, wisdom understands patience and it understands process. God is a God of process and God is a God of patience. Romance says, I want it now. Wisdom says, patience. We know James says, let patience and faith have its perfect work that you'll be complete and lacking nothing. Proverbs 19.11 says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. You see, we must go through the process. I haven't got time to really break this down, but a general rule of thumb is we, when we begin a relationship or, or before, when you feel like you're whole and you're in a good place and you feel like you're ready for a relationship, what happens then is you begin to feel the release and then you find somebody that you're initially attractive to. And that is the acquaintance stage you become acquaintances. It's casual conversation. It's just saying hello in the church. It's, it's wherever you, you socialize and do life. And then you go into the friendship stage. You become closer. And you start to have friends. You're in groups, light-hearted, fun, just going about life. You go on to becoming closer friends, better friends. And you go on to then being officially going into a courting phase, a dating phase or a courting phase. Then you go into engagement and then ultimately it's marriage. So there are stages of a relationship that we go through. And I'd say the first one to six months when we begin to enter into a relationship is probably, probably one of the most dangerous in some aspects of physical and emotional and mental boundaries. And I'll talk about that a little bit more sooner. And the best way I could describe for it is like starting up a chainsaw. 
when you start up a chainsaw, initially it's hard to control it. And if you don't control that chainsaw, if you don't keep the string of the kite taut, it can begin to spiral out of control and start to do some damage, not only to yourself, not only to the, your, your potential and optimistic future partner, but also to the people around you. Broken relationships and hurt relationships does damage to a wider group of people. It doesn't bring glory to God. But you see that Jeremiah 79 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. The first six, one to six months is you're getting to know each other. And it's the infatuation stage. You, all, you're, all you're doing is your emotions are screaming out. It's purely physical. And that phase is generally quite selfish because your emotions are screaming so much. You're feeling the ecstasy. They call it the honeymoon phase, don't they? You're living on ecstasy. The person that you're wanting to be with can just can do nothing wrong. Or even if they are, like my story of the car, the lights are flashing, but you just overlook it. And the danger is there. You haven't had enough time. You've not been patient in working through and observing their character. The character is at the foundations of the person that you want to be with. Observe him in the littlest things of life. Observe him. How does he treat his mum? Sounds crazy. How does he treat his mum? How does he treat the waiter or the waitress? Or how does she treat the waiter or the waitress when nobody's around? Or when you're in a group of people? Because they're thinking, oh, that's just the waitress. Oh, but I'll treat you lovely. That's not true. If you're flawed in one area of your character, you'll be flawed in every area of the character. Watch the little things that they do in their lives. Watch their character. This time here, that first six months, guard your heart with all diligence. Your emotions are sparking. Your feelings are sparking. Hold yourself back. Establish strong boundaries and observe. Still enjoy the moment. We don't want to kill the romance. They're God-given things, but just control them. Just manage them. Get accountability. Get people to look in on the relationship for you because the mist and the cloud of, of romance will begin to haze your clear direction. Sometimes you just need people to look in and hold your hand and navigate you through that fog until the motions begin to settle and you're able to again see clearly. Six to 12 months from there, we go into more the affirming stage. Your emotions begin to settle. You again begin to come to see clearly. And this can be a bit of a shock if you've not done things well. You'll make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But you try and minimize that the best you can. Because you suddenly come through the fog. And then the veil of this person that you had painted a picture of in your head, the veil starts to fall down and you see the person behind the mask. And that's not always a malicious thing. It's just natural human nature. We always put our best foot forward, don't we? It's not a nasty, malicious thing, but they want to impress. We want to impress. We want to put our best foot forward. But wisdom begins to see behind the veil. So this time, wait for that period of time to subside. Keep your guard. Keep your balance until then. And then observe afterwards you can get a, a, a microscope more clearly on in the person that you're hoping and everybody hopes that could be your future partner, but you don't know at this stage. So wisdom says wait. Wisdom says patience. And you become to, more familiar with each other. 
you know how you're really like with your family, with your brother, with your mom, with your dad? They're so familiar to you, that you and your closest friends that you can just pretty much be how you want and, and, and who you want, can't you? Not really, but we do. When we're tired, when we're down. So that's what happens. You start getting more familiar with each other and then you start to see the character flaws begin to pop up. They say you've got to go through all seasons with the future partner you want to be with. And that's not the natural seasons, although that could be the case, but all the seasons of their life, when they're tired, when they're happy, when they're up, when they're down, when they're going through trials, when they're not going through trials. Do you know we can't see, they say, squeeze the toothpaste tube to see what comes out. It's not until somebody is squeezed that we then really begin to see what comes out with somebody. Say no sometimes. A big test to do with somebody is say no. Say no and see how they respond. See if they really honor you. Is it all about me? Are they selfish? Maybe if they want to meet up, maybe if they want to do something, maybe purposely disagree sometime and just see what reaction it sparks in them. You soon get to see them. You've got to test all these things out, we see. Emotions are fickle, and emotions will sometimes subside and die. Do you know what I observe? And I might, might not be strictly accurate on this, but I'm sure you'll catch the essence of what I'm trying to say. Do you see, I observe celebrities quite a lot. And I look and I think, they go through relationship after relationship after relationship after relationship. I'm thinking of one big female pop star right now who just seems to go through husband after husband after husband after husband every six months. I've lost count now how many times that she has been married. But you notice there always seems to be around the six month to a year period. And just my observation, I might not be strictly accurate with this, and I'm sure some counselors might have a few things to say, but I see that it's almost as if the honeymoon period finishes. They've got a fantasy world in their head because we've got to balance up wisdom and fantasy. Ladies, just a quick one. I think a lot, and you've got to be careful, of movies that are out there today. All those fantasy, all the movies that my girlfriend tries to get me to watch are not all that healthy and they're not good. They're not real. They're fantasy. They're an hour and a half clip of a glorified relationship that just does not, is not the truth. And you put so much pressure on our, us because we feel like we always have to live to that level all the time. It's tiring and it's hard. It's not reality. Base your life on foundations and base your life on truth. Amen. <laughs> It appears all the men are applauding there. Am I in the spirit there, men? <laughs> it's fantasy. It's not truth. And it's beautiful, I know. And it's lovely, I know. But a lot of it, we've got to measure with reality and the word of God. It can be damaging because you could always watch those movies and think that is reality, that is truth. But you'll always be disappointed because you, you, you're never going to be that Rapunzel up in the tower when the, when the man comes riding the horse to rescue you, do you know? <laughs> but just balance wisdom 
and the romance with that. The I was talking about celebrities, wasn't I? The celebrities, they seem to, this one person, uh, individual I'm thinking of, and God bless her, um, <laughs> because it's just lack of wisdom and insight, really, isn't it? Bless them. Just, they just need Jesus. They just need the scales of their eyes removed. They, they've got so much money and so much power and so much positioning, they're just trying to fill anything and everything, and they get the highs of a relationship for that six-month period. Sometimes the honeymoon period can go on even longer than that, where it's, it's a false reality, really. But when that begins to wane and die, because they're used to having so, so much given to them, and they're never used to really lifting their finger up for anything, then they think there's something must be wrong with the relationship. I've fallen out of love with you now. Things were great, you know, but things are just not working anymore. And, I see that just with some normal relationships sometimes. They get into a relationship and they feel those emotions subside because love is a choice sometimes and the emotions and the highest emotions do subside. And then they think, do you know, uh, well, t- maybe it's we need to get engaged. So you get the engagement, the girl gets the ring and oh, planning all the wedding, fantastic. The emotions are back and you've stirred them back up again. Great, and then we run through the wedding. And you live off the honeymoon period of the wedding and then the emotions start to subside again. And Oh, there's something going wrong with our relationship. Oh, disaster's striking. I'm just not feeling the way that I used to feel towards you. I know. Maybe we need a child. Fantastic. Well, let's have a child. The emotions spark up again. Oh, we're having a baby. Oh, perfect. And then after a period of time, you have the child. The emotions start to subside again. Oh, maybe it's we need another child. You get my... You see what I'm saying? Emotions are fickle. And I see that with a lot of the celebrities, and not just celebrities, but people going through relationships. Oh, it's just not working at the moment. I'm not married, but my cell leader, Taiwo, is. And he tells me, marriage is hard work. (laughs) It's hard work. You need to invest in that relationship. And I've only been courting for two years, but I've noticed as well, it is hard work. You've got to keep that flame, you know, a light. You've got to feed into you ladies. You, you ladies are emotionally hungry creatures and beings, you know. <laughs> they like the notes and they like the letters and they like the flowers and all that lovely stuff. and Stuff that's very close to a soldier's heart, you know. <laughs> but I'm learning. She's, uh, she's refining me and she's teaching me a few things. So emotions are fickle. During that period, note the alarm bells. Keep the eye on the alarm bells. If alarm bell starts to ring, if you see something in your heart, this just isn't quite right. You're better to stop now and just pull away. Or even, it doesn't have to be that it's the end of the relationship. Just step it aside, cool it down a little bit, pull yourself back, and as I used to train my men on the battlefield, have a condor moment. When the things begin to fly and the bombs start to drop and the bullets start to fly, men, calm, emotions going to raise, there's going to be fear, anxiety, step back, have a second, deep breath, have a condor moment. Elevate yourself above the situation. Look down on the situation from an aerial point of view. Look down from a God perspective. Look down from your accountability partner's expected and have a look at it from a distance. Let it cool down for a bit, analyze the situation, and then you can always go back in and re-attack it. But don't 
get sucked in and let it ride on and ride on and ride on because you'll get closer and closer and closer and closer. Then if you do decide to part ways, bang, it's going to cause you damage. That's why the stages of relationship are in place. And within each stage of the relationship, there are certain things that you can talk about, that's advised that you talk about, that you advise that you don't talk about. But we've got to keep our hearts and minds focused on, on those things that will do ourselves some damage. And you've got to be careful not to make it legalistic. You can't go to your cell group leader or your pastor and give me a list of things I can't and talk to. You've just got to guard your heart with all the things. Because the danger is, and I've seen it done, legalism begins to come into the relationship. And then you suffocate a natural God-given lovely thing where there's lightness, where there's fun, where there's excitement, and you begin to suffocate it with a load of to-do lists and what we can't talk about, when we can go with each other, when, when we can't be seen alone here, we can't be seen alone. They're all good and they're all proper, but make sure it's done with the correct heart. And can I just say one thing I've noticed for all those cell group leaders or families, I'm sure you know this, but whoever you're mentoring in this thing as well, make sure you explain to them why these principles and practices are put into place. Because if you just give them a to-do list, don't go here, don't go there, not to be there at this time of night, not to be there, but don't explain to them why they're just kicked back. Because it takes wisdom to understand why these things are put in place. So explain the situation, educate them, give them case studies, give them examples, say, listen, I love you, I want the best for you, I want you to have the best relationship, but I care for you so much, I want you to be protected. This is the wisdom that says why I've advised you not to do these things. And they catch your heart and go, okay, yeah, I got this is going to be tough, but at least they'll have some insight rather than giving a to-do list because, because the power of, of, of sin is the law. And if you start laying down law, they begin to repel. And the power of sin is the law. And they start to do it more. So just something I've observed there with some, 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 some situations where people have just laid down the law and the, the poor people have been in a worse state than they, they were even before they entered into the relationship. The boundaries... Boundaries distinguishes what is your emotional or your personal property. I'm running out of time here, so I haven't got time to go through this, but just a whistle-stop tour of boundaries, just some nuggets of, of truth here for you. Do you know the word says in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. There will come situations in a relationship where you do is this for me, is this not for me? If you're unsure, just hold back. And then just pray into the situation. But regardless what, one of the greatest things is God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. And the greatest thing that you could navigate is if I lay this person down, the fear would be, am I going to find somebody else? Am I going to be in a relationship? That is a lie. You cannot navigate through a relationship through fear because it might be the wrong person, but it might even be the right person, but maybe the wrong time. We've got to assess things by timing as well. Now, 
I was going to speak a little bit about timing and things, but we're running short of time, so I'll just close now. Boundaries. Make sure you establish solid emotional boundaries. It is better to put a fence at the top of a cliff than to get an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Have you heard all that saying before? Get some boundaries in place at the top of the cliff. If there are warning signs that you're getting too close to the edge of the cliff, and then the damage that is caused at the base, they need to get an ambulance in to recover you. So just make sure that you guard your hearts above all else, but determine the course of your life. Emotional boundaries. Guard your heart and emotions. Don't reveal too much of yourself at this stage. Your deep dreams, your revelations, your feelings, because you're giving that other person a part of you. And the danger is also if you begin to talk too much in deep situations, you can establish something called soul ties. You gain emotional uh, ties as well as physical ties. So be careful not to connect yourself too much. Guard your heart. Guard what you say. Nothing too deep and too personal of your life at the early stages of the relationship. You build on and up to that. There's even some things that you don't even share. You won't even share until marriage. Just guard your heart. Protect yourself. Don't give people your heart and soul until you've tested their character because it's like casting your precious pearls in your heart amongst the swine. And if you haven't tested their character, if you're not sure this person is for you, they will trample all over it and do you some damage. So emotional boundaries. Mental. Guard your thoughts. A thought turns into an action. Careful where you go with your mind. Live in the moment at present, at the early stages. Don't go thinking too far ahead because you'll begin to paint a dream for yourself that isn't based on reality. You'll start dreaming about this beautiful car that you want to drive home that you've just bought, but the reality is there's alarm bells ringing. So, so just be mindful of that and with your mental um, thoughts. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is pure, noble, right, or good, report lovely, of good report, lovely, admirable, anything excellent or praise or worthy, meditate on these things. Just meditate on what is good, holy, and of good report, and guard your minds. Physical. The wages of sin is death. The word speaks time and time and time against about sexual immorality. There's physical boundaries that need to be established that you cannot cross over until marriage because you will develop physical soul ties and it's sin. And the wages of sin is death. You're bringing and kicking into your relationship death from the offset. Make sure you establish and seek wisdom on physical boundaries and put wise steps in place to make sure you don't cross those boundaries. Yes, there's this wisdom in not staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching, some, watching Tangled or something, you know, some romantic movie, because you're just more susceptible to those things because you're, diet, uh, because you're tired. Just be careful. Set boundaries in place for your physical boundaries. And the most important thing is, don't... Somebody said this to me. It really spoke to my heart. Don't give up the thing you want most for the thing that you want now. So focus on the thing you want most. Don't sacrifice the thing you want most for what you want now. Always think big picture. 
always have your values in check. Always, always, you've got your, you make sure you're compatible spirit, soul, and body. Make sure you check that. Make sure you align them to the word of God, your, your future date, the future person. Make sure they, they, they tick your relevant boxes. But don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now. Ultimately, we all want strong and good relationships, don't we? And it takes wisdom to achieve that in our romance. Let's just stand to our feet the second as we close. Do you know the word says that Proverbs 19.2 it's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. We've got to make sure we apply things and we make sure that we go through the right seasons of our life. Timing is everything. Making sure that you have a clear purpose in where you're going. The difference between worldly relationships and godly relationships is, is worldly relationships are generally just very focused in on themselves. There's no eternal purpose, but godly relationships, they have an eternal mindset. They're focused on the things to come. You must come inside along with each other. Do you know God with Adam? The first thing God gave Adam was a mission. Go, name all the animals. And then he brought his wife alongside him for relationship to be his helper and to support him. But ladies, you can't be with a man who hasn't got a vision. What is his direction in life? What are you called to come along and help him with? And men, if you've got not a vision, if you've got not a purpose, then how can you expect God to bring your helper into your life? So get vision. Get purpose. Get centered on the solid rock of God. Get yourself in the best shape that you could possibly be for your partner. Because if... If you want to, I've got a small quote here that I'll quickly um, share with you if I can find it. But you want to present yourself as a beautiful bride, without spot, without blemish or with wrinkle. And you want to be a gift to your partner. Wisdom will help you maintain the boundaries to achieve just that. And if we have fallen short in the past, then the blood of Jesus is good to cover of all that when we bring things into the open and to alight with him. Amen? God is good. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your infallible word. I thank you for each and every person here this afternoon, Father. And I, I pray all that's been spoken as of you, Father, will, will fall upon open and receptive hearts, Father. Father, I pray for strong and successful whole relationships, Father. We know the foundations of marriage and relationships is under an attack, Father. It's the breaking up of the family and breaking up of unity. But I thank you this is a new season. This is a new generation of women and men of God that are learning godly whole relationships. Two becoming one, Lord. Working together for your good and for your purpose in Christ Jesus. Father, so I just pray your blessing upon each and every person here this afternoon as they go on their way. And I thank you in part. And they will yield to godly wisdom, Father. And they'll be able to balance their romance and live that rich and satisfying life 
that you so desire them to live in and run in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord.